and welcome to Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's beautiful Treasure Coast. And bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at, and illusion is usually king. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast directories. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. I love to hear from listeners. You can shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and leave a voicemail at 772-245-0750. Oh, man, did I call it? Did I call it? I hate to toot my own horn, but I don't have a sidekick on this show. So if my horn is going to be tooted, I'm going to have to toot it myself. On Friday, I said that um, if you were in a buying mode, that the market would hit a low uh, toward the close on Friday afternoon as investors uh, sold in order to uh, limit their exposure from uh, future markets over the weekend, and that that, uh, that would be an excellent time to buy. And if you took that advice, you won big yesterday. Now, <laughs> I guess I should insert a disclaimer here that I am not a stock expert, and uh, if you take my advice, uh, I cannot be responsible. But that was a good bit of advice because yesterday the Dow Jones and the S&P and the NASDAQ all set records. The S- Before uh, Monday's rally, the S&P had dropped more than 11 points in a week. And it would have been more than that. Once it started cratering, it went down over 15 points. Uh, But uh, because Monday uh, was a a good day, uh, by the time it started cratering, the the week ended with an 11-point drop. But that was the worst weekly decline since 2008, the financial crisis. And it classifies as what the market people call a correction, a drop of 10% or more. And the market sort of uses that as a psychologically um, significant marker to indicate that we're entering into a so-called bear market. But Monday, the market came roaring back. And this marks the, uh, the very shortest correction since 1928, right after the, the Great Depression. It was the shortest correction in terms of calendar dates since 1928. So the market uh, closed yesterday. The Dow Jones closed at 26,703, which is a a huge number. I don't know if this will be sustained. I don't know if this was just profit-taking. But certainly uh, the markets are responding to what appears to be a very effective and coordinated efforts by the Trump administration to get a handle not only on the coronavirus, but on the financial panic that the Democrats had whipped up uh, in response to the coronavirus. So I'm going to play you a clip here. This is uh, on Fox Business setting up what happened yesterday. 
First, with this crazy day on Wall Street, Christina, we begin with you. Crazy day. We're seeing the Dow close well above 5%, the largest point gain in a day in history. The same uh, situation for the NASDAQ, the same for the S&P 500. We're seeing the S&P 500 close a little bit less than 5%, but I wish I could have a hat. Normally, I have 25,000 points, 30,000 points. Now, the fact that you're seeing this 5% gain across the board, every single S&P sector closed in the green today. Let's take a look at some of those. Winners, though, I want to start with the Dow. Uh, you're seeing it on your screen. Apple, Walmart, United Health, Microsoft. Walmart being a big winner with some of the uh, larger retailers like Costco. And I want to focus on Costco for a second because that is one of the S&P 500 winners. Why? You have the expectation that people are still stockpiling, so they're going to Costco to buy it. Uh, pictures of uh, huge lines in Costco. A lot of this optimism, especially towards the end of the day, has to do with the fact that Traders, investors believe that policymakers and central banks will be coming through to, uh, you know, mitigate any type of impact from the coronavirus on the global economy. Back that was absolutely great news. And the reporter at mentioned there lines at Costco. So I just want to uh, take this opportunity to once again remind you that if you have not done yet, uh, so yet, you need to go out and put in about a month's worth of dry goods that, um, that you can count on in case of a food panic. The biggest risk from this coronavirus is not the virus itself, which apparently has a very low mortality rate unless you're in a high-risk group, which includes the elderly or people with pre-existing uh, medical, underlying medical conditions. The biggest risk is uh, panic, and uh, now is the time to get ahead of that. You don't want to be uh, caught out there in a food riot. Go ahead and put in beans and rice and pasta and sauces and and things that you can count on so that you can stay in your house and, and avoid uh, any any uh, panic that may re, uh, result. i got a clip here from Dr. Matt McCarthy appearing on Fox Business, and he's talking about uh, the response, the administration's response to the coronavirus and its implications on the economy. Doctor, I think, now, we, neither of us know this, but I am surmising <laughs> that the explosion around the world in the future may well come from its base in Iran. Uh, yeah, the first text I woke up to this morning was a, pict a picture of people licking the shrine yes. in Iran. Yeah. So that concerns me. And I'll tell you one thing, there's a big question about the case fatality rate. Yeah. People quote 1% to 2% coming out of China. We are doing a lot of mathematical modeling. We're not using the Chinese data. We don't find it reliable. We are using the Korean data. We think that what happened in Korea is going to be a lot more reflective of what we're going to see in the United States. And we see about a 0.2 to 0.4% death rate. 0.2 to 0.4 fatality rate from the coronavirus. That's what, right. what is it for ordinary, ordinary common or garden flu? Well, common flu is 0.1%. So what we're saying here is that this would be like a very bad flu season. So some people say, well, that's, that's pretty reassuring. Mm -hmm. a, bad, a flu season typically kills between 25 and 69,000 people. So if we're saying double that, we're talking about 50,000 Americans, we go to war over far less than that. Yeah. So that's how I think about it. Older people mostly at risk? Yep. So if you're 80 years old and over, we're seeing an incredibly high uh, rate. We also are seeing for people who have comorbid conditions. Tony Fauci said at the press conference, obesity, heart disease, cancer, diabetes. 
that's a pretty big swath of the American public. Yeah. So, um, you know, some people say, why is this guy so alarmed? Why is he so fired up about this? It's because I have to talk to patients every day and tell them the truth. I can't bluff my way through this. Okay. I, I have to tell them, and that's how I feel. Can you get it? If you're in one of those high-risk groups, you got to just go ahead and resign yourself to staying indoors, staying in your house for the next uh, couple of months until uh, springtime rolls around to see whether or not that will have uh, the same effect on the coronavirus as it does on the flu. The flu usually, the flu season goes away when the weather warms up. But I spoke back there about the Democrats' hysteria, uh, their their attempt to weaponize and politicize the coronavirus in order to gain political advantage over the Trump administration. That that uh, that whole uh, hoax that they had going on, that that panic hoax that they had going on, is sort of subsided now, because uh, I think they've learned that the American people are in no mood for their BS with regard to a, a very serious um, health epidemic. But Jesse Waters on uh, the Five yesterday just nailed what uh, what has been going on. I think the president has handled this virus very well. Only two things I think you can criticize the guy for. If, if you look at the CDC, they had the contamination at the test site. They got the test kits out too slowly. And a CDC hospital worker released a woman who was infected. She'd been tested positive. That was a mistake. Those are substantive issues that you can say, you guys better clean that up. And they have cleaned those things up. But to say that, you know, the president's lying, to say that he's muzzling doctors, to say that he's cutting the CDC is ridiculous, to say that the task force is too white or pen is too religious to run it is ridiculous <laughs> to say yeah that, that pence is going to pray the virus away oh, he's not equipped to handle this the new york times runs two columns comparing the president to the virus paul krugman celebrates the dow dropping the washington post encouraging democrats to make hay politically out of the virus and my favorite hmm. cnn says that the travel restriction that Trump did was racist and would backfire. And today, CNN puts their own travel restriction on their own employees because it's such a big deal. Mm. So look at the Dow. Look at the study that said that the United States is the best prepared country to handle this. And Gallup poll says that 77% of the American people are confident in the administration's response to the virus. I think running up to the election, you know, everybody has been predicting that this coronavirus is going to be a real problem for the Trump administration and Trump's reelection effort. I think that's just the opposite. I think that uh, having the CEO in, in charge that, uh, that put the people in place, mobilized early, got out ahead of this, uh, did some uh, good messaging uh, is actually going to uh, benefit his reelection effort because it's going to show that all of these predictions of the, uh, frantic Democrats have been making that this this president is incompetent have now been thoroughly debunked. And if you if you look at the Democrats' attack on the president now, they're all based on predictions about what's going to happen in a second term. They told us that if we elected Donald Trump, that the market would crash, that he would be unable to lead the government, that it would be a disaster. That uh, our our foreign adversaries would take advantage and our allies would fall away. None of that has happened. And so once again, they're, they're left to try to, uh, 
you know, claim the sky is falling based on future events that have not happened. In other words, all of the things we said, well, it, it was going to happen in the second term. It, it, it didn't happen in the first term, but it's definitely going to happen in the second term. They have no credibility left. And of course, today is Super Tuesday. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back. First, I want to remind you uh, to run on over to AmericaFirstRadio.shop and get yourself some of these banana bag oral solutions to prevent yourself from ending up in the hospital to get an IV if you become dehydrated. This is an excellent product if you suffer from an underlying medical condition or you uh, become sick with the flu to keep yourself from being dehydrated and needing to uh, to get an IV. It's chock full of B-complex and C-complex vitamins, and it's got all of the things uh, that you need to stay hydrated. You can get yours today. You can get a five-pack for $15.50. You'll get free same-day shipping. Run on over to AmericaFirstRadio.shop and get yours today. Keep them in your medicine chest just in case you need them. AmericaFirstRadio.shop. Well, today is Super. What is it? Super Tuesday? Super Thursday? Let's let's uh, check with Joe Biden. Look, tomorrow's Super Thursday. Thank you all. I'll tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? Oh, he almost gaffed it there. Oh God, if he had just left left it alone and said Super Thursday, but he did catch himself. So maybe maybe old Joe's getting better. I think uh, what we ought to do in response to this uh, this crisis of the Democrat uh, uh, nomination and the combination of coronavirus is to quarantine the Democrats. If we could quarantine the Democrats and keep them from cultivating this panic among the American people, don't you think the American that we'd be all be better off? I do. But the Democrat primary candidates are now dropping like flies. Of course, Pete Booty Juice dropped out yesterday, and um, actually he dropped out on Sunday, and then yesterday he endorsed Joe Biden. And now Amy Klobuchar has dropped out as well. And so what's happening here is these so-called moderate Dems are all uh, making way to uh, let Joe Biden carry the the torch for the Democrat establishment. I say moderate Dems. All of these candidates support open borders, taxpayer-funded health care for illegal aliens, the Green New Deal, and all of these other you know uh, free giveaways that uh, that are just a disaster. They're all socialist at this point. They just. Bernie Sanders has moved the window of what uh, classifies as a socialist so far to the left that it leaves the uh, the lane open for all of them to to get on board without being accused of socialism. <clears throat> so now we've got the three B's: Bernie, Bloomberg, and Biden still in, and uh, and Focahontas is still there. All of the the uh, moderate. <laughs> I got to come up with a better term for that. All of the uh, the fake moderates, the faux moderates, have dropped out to make room for Biden. But Focahontas, the authentic fake Indian, is still in the contest. And you got to believe 
And old Bernie's on the phone with her, offering her the moon and the stars if she will drop out and endorse him. Maybe he's offering her plenty of fire water. Oh, but oh, Joe's trying to clean up his gaffes, which, you know, I would I would be kind of disappointed if he did that. I hope Biden is the nominee. He is an endless source of entertainment. His trademark gaffes never, never fail. Here's a uh, an example. This is a, a Joe Biden gaffathon for your Super Tuesday. Obama reportedly told Joe Biden directly, quote, you don't have to do this, Joe. You really don't. That is not a joke. That is a natural fact. I think Biden looked unsteady at many points. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. He's not the most polished speaker anymore. The president thinks, my friend from Vermont thinks that. Watching his long, winding answers that don't really make sense in recent debates has also raised the question as to whether that has gotten worse and whether he is up for this. The fact is that the bills that the president, that, excuse me, the future president here. There's a lot of people who are concerned about uh, Joe Biden's ability to carry the ball all the way across the end line without fumbling. Go to Joe 30330. He looked kind of unsteady and almost deer in the headlights. So what are we doing? What's going on right now? He's not that good at this. I mean, he's clearly not that strong a candidate thinking on his feet. Anyway, my time's up. I'm sorry. I think there are some concerns, and they've been man- they've been expressed by Democrats themselves. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Over whether Joe Biden is equipped to withstand a very grueling campaign. We choose truth over facts. Joe Biden was really shaky, both because he was stumbling through his answers. I'm the vice president of the United States. And also because the substance of those answers hasn't really gotten better. Those details are irrelevant. You know, I would sort of be disappointed if Joe wasn't the nominee simply because I I enjoy these gaffes so much and he never disappoints. If if he wasn't there for these gaffes, it, w- it would definitely make this upcoming campaign less entertaining. I mentioned that Klobuchar and uh, Buttigieg dropped out and endorsed Biden. Well, Biden reached into the vault and pulled one out from the past. And Beto O'Rourke himself, that uh, gun-grabbing fanatic, came out in Texas there and endorsed Joe Biden as well. And Joe Biden, for his part, now now you got to keep in mind, Beto O'Rourke was so extreme on gun control, promising confiscation and and to uh, to arrest gun owners, that even the far left Democrat electorate didn't support him. But old Joe, in his uh, his appearance with Beto yesterday, promised to put Beto in charge of gun control. I want to make something clear. I'm going to guarantee you this is not last year's seat of this guy. You're going to take care of the gun problem with me. You're going to be the one who leads this effort. I'm counting on you. So it, I guess it comes as no surprise that uh, despite the fact that uh, Biden, you know, is claiming to be a moderate, he has come out for gun confiscation as well. And he's got his new czar of gun control, Beto O'Rourke. Let's take a little walk down memory lane on what Beto O'Rourke said before he dropped out of the race. 
in fact in favor of gun confiscation. Yes. You know the critics call this confiscation. Are you proposing taking away their guns, and how would this work? I am. Exactly how are you going to take away weapons from people who do not want to give them up? And that weapon will be taken from them. Uh, if they persist, there will be other consequences from law enforcement. There will be people that don't turn their guns back in. What's the next step for the, the federal government there? There have to be consequences. In that case, uh, I think there would be a, a visit by law enforcement. So how many tens of millions of, of uh, semi-automatic rifles are in circulation in the United States? Beto O'Rourke, who Joe Biden promised us to put in charge of uh, confiscating them, wants to send the cops out to knock on your door and seize your weapons and haul you off to jail. I wonder how that's going to play in Texas, even among the Democrat uh, primary electorate. So Klobuchar jumped, uh, dropped out, and, you know, I, I was searching for something to say about that, but it turns out old Klob is, is so boring that there's no, there's really not even any punchline for her withdrawal. She was sort of a non-entity. She just sort of faded into the woodwork. There was this meme going around about how she, you know, was mean to her staffers, and one time she berated a staffer for bringing her a salad and uh, without a fork. And so Clobe ate it with a comb. Uh, you know, that's, that's no big deal. It's not that exciting. Pete Buttigieg, I don't know what Biden's going to put him in charge of, uh, or if he were to win, but Pete Buttigieg, it, it's uh, Bible Belt Mama noted on Twitter that he spent a lot of his campaign attacking Christians and their beliefs. In particular, he, he attacked Vice President Pence, who was governor of Indiana, where Pete Buttigieg was mayor of South Bend, repeatedly and constantly was attacking, attacking Vice President Pence over his religious beliefs. And Bible Belt Mama pointed out that not once during this campaign did Pete Buttigieg ever criticize uh, M Muslims beheading, imprisoning, and hanging homosexuals or throwing them off of roofs. He's all, all for open borders. So they've all fell in line now and endorsed Joe Biden. <laughs> the only question now, I guess, is whether or not Corn Pop is going to come back and endorse Joe Biden. Where's Corn Pop? We need Corn, Corn Pop's endorsement. I found a clip here that is absolutely going to be devastating if Joe Biden does get the nomination. It's sort of a ready-made campaign commercial for for Trump. It, actually, it could be used by Commie uh, uh, Bernie right now in, in Bloomberg right now. This is uh, another one of the uh, oldies but goodies from the vault about Joe Biden's history of lying. This goes back to his previous runs for president. 
fighting to do. The new questions stem from taped remarks of Biden during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right, and his memory had failed him. His, his memory had failed him. I mean, he told outright bold-faced lies, and his response back then was his memory had failed him. I guess uh, he, he suffered back then. we got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network after two messages. Stick with us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Well, the Democrat Party is headed for a train wreck in Wisconsin. The party has been hijacked by devoted Marxists led by an 80-year-old Bernie Sanders and the big money Democrat donor class that has used the party to advance its interests are in a panic. Nearly 90% of the superdelegates interviewed by the New York Times said that they're willing to block Senator Sanders at the convention if he fails to win a majority of the delegates. Kelly Rydell Sadler is the communications director for America First Action and a former special assistant to the president. You can find her on the web at a1apac.org, or you can find her on Twitter at Kelly Rydell. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So these superdelegates are made up of the uh, establishment class in the Democrat Party. They've sort of been sidelined after the um, controversy at the 2016 convention. But they're promising that if no one has a, a majority of delegates coming into the convention, that they'll choose another nominee. What are the odds 
Do you think that they'll pick a, a Bloomberg or, or Biden? Well, you know, it's going to be really interesting, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. I mean, there's a, there's a chance that Bernie Sanders, uh, although he you know, performed poorly in South Carolina, uh, goes into California, and there's a chance uh, that, that he gets a high enough majority where he walks away with all of California's delegates, which is over 400. Um, and he has a really good uh, Super Tuesday putting him on a clear path to victory where there is no brokered convention. However, we're already beginning to see players like Bloomberg, Biden, Elizabeth Warren has said she's going to go all the way to the convention. Um, Amy Klobuchar is still in this race, and we know that Minnesota is up tomorrow so that she could get uh, a fair proportion of delegates uh, from her home state. And as long as you've got this crowded of a field, with people saying that they're not going to get out, they're going to go to the convention and hold their delegates in order to negotiate. If Bernie doesn't have a clear victory tomorrow and a clear blowout tomorrow, we will be going into a brokered convention where he will be denied the nomination. Well, you know, after uh, the 2016, uh, they exposed the Democrat Party for plotting uh, to deliver the nomination to Hillary and uh, and shut out Old commie Bernie. Uh, they also, <laughs> in, in addition to sidelining the superdelegates on the first ballot, they also put in uh, proportional uh, delegates in, in these yeah. primaries. So even though Bernie is expected to win big in California and even in Texas, which is kind of hard to wrap your mind around, uh, it's yeah. going to be very difficult for anybody to get over 50% of these delegates uh, unless. Um, some of these other moderates uh, drop out, including Mike Bloomberg, and throw their support behind old Joe. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the Democratic primary system is messed up. And the fact that anyone who clears the 15% threshold um, gets allocated uh, delegates. There is no winner-take-all here. And that is frustrating Bernie Sanders. But ironically, it was because of Bernie Sanders in the last cycle that they changed the rules. Um, so now he's not a fan of the rules as they stand uh, because last time around he did not get, you know, he got he got some delegates, but he didn't get the majority of delegates. They, it, 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 the plurality system, it's just, it's just a really messed up system. And the Democrats are the ones, you know, creating the rules here. Um, so, you know, doing the mathematical, it's just a, it's a math game now. They got to get it up to like what, 1991 is like kind of the, the number of delegates, 1,991 that they need to get to clinch the victory. And it's hard to see how somebody gets that, uh, the majority of those delegates. And now, ironically, Michael Bloomberg, uh, the reason that he entered the race or reason why he, it was rumored that he entered the race is it was based on Joe Biden's cratering, his downfall of him not being able to take it to the end. Well, Joe Biden, you know, his, his, his campaign is on life support, let's just say that, but he's not out of it. And so every day that Bloomberg spends in this race are votes that he's taking away from Joe Biden, really cutting down the centrist lane. Um, and so you could argue that the longer Bloomberg stays in this race, the more he's actually aiding Bernie Sanders um, and propping up the communist socialist wing of the party, which is exactly the opposite of what he wanted to do. He got in here to stop um, Bernie Sanders and the socialist momentum. So it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see how things are going to play out and how Bloomberg is going to do tomorrow because that'll be the first time his name is actually on the ballot and he's spent over, you know, half a billion dollars. $600 million so far <laughs> yeah. with a promise to, to spend as much as $2 billion. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm uh, I'm experiencing a massive case of Schadenfreude watching all this um, as the Democrat establishment, both in the party and in the media, are trying to figure out a way to head off old Bernie at the pass. And it occurs to me that um, you know Project Veritas and James O'Keefe have taken hidden cameras inside the Bernie Sanders campaign and uh, and have videos of many of his paid staffers and volunteer organizers. Uh, making promises that if they roll into Milwaukee and uh, are again denied the nomination, that there is going to be hell to pay. Let me play you just a bit of a, a clip of these undercover videos. Pretty much anarcho syndicalism. There's a lot of me's in the Bernie campaign. If Bernie doesn't get the nomination, Milwaukee will burn. I mean, you know, the I guess the mainstream media uh, can't bring themselves to use these Project Veritas videos because they've spent so uh, so much time trying to discredit James O'Keefe. But if Bernie Sanders is the nominee, you can bet that you're going to see a lot of those commercials uh, during the general election. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Bernie Sanders, I, I mean, he hasn't met a communist dictator in the last 50 years that he doesn't like or doesn't want to compliment. Um, so, I mean, from the campaign, from the Republican point of view, I mean, we are just going to be contrasting, you know, do you want to give up your freedom for this socialism that Bernie Sanders is proposing? And his comments on Fidel Castro uh, last week on 60 Minutes, uh, it's just not playing well with, you know, in the state of Florida, for example. Florida is a must-win state for Democrats, and we did some internal internal polling there. And then this was before uh, Bernie Sanders went on 60 Minutes. And the Cuban population, the South American population, um, the Venezuelan population, the, even the Puerto Ricans, uh, who Democrats thought they had such a major play with and could flip Florida based on their vote, uh, Bernie Sanders is underwater in terms of favorability and electability. Uh, these are these are people who have fled um, from communist regimes and value America and the freedoms that we have here and are proud of their country. And so right now, uh, Bernie Sanders has a lot of ground to make up in that state, and uh, it's uh, unsure if he can do it. And we're feeling very optimistic if he is the candidate you know coming out of nevada and headed into south carolina bernie sanders was only trailing joe biden by about four or five points and i expected uh, there was going to be a much closer race there in south carolina but then bernie went on this uh, tour praising all of these uh, communist <laughs> dictators and spent the whole week leading up to saturday uh, praising castro and and uh, venezuela's chavez and maduro and and even uh, even in the Democrat, uh, you know, primary voter base, that that didn't play well at all. And I think it explains a lot of why he did so poorly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you also had, you know, Joe Biden got a big endorsement from Jim Clyburn, who came in in the last minute and really rallied the African-American community behind Joe Biden. And I think if it were not for that endorsement, you wouldn't have seen uh, Biden's numbers where they were. Now, how many more of these endorsements in each of these states that Biden uh, is campaigning in does he need to take him over, you know, to take him over the line? Biden has not even been campaigning in these Super, tu- in these super Tuesday states. He doesn't have any money. Advertising. 
He doesn't have any money, and he doesn't have any infrastructure. And you saw that. You saw his lack of infrastructure in the early states, in Iowa, in New Hampshire, um, and in Nevada. And he did have some, you know, organization in South Carolina, but he was he was propped up by these well-respected, you know, establishment Democrats. So I just don't I just don't see him being able to go all the way. Not to mention that Joe Biden is not only gas prone, but <laughs> he's making some. Very serious errors. Anytime he does an interview or is at a campaign, you know, event, there's always something that he he says wrong. Like I'm running for the United States Senate. Or, you know, he was he out was just he, on Chris Wallace's show yesterday. I could not like, believe that. You know, he was out there trying to take advantage of his win with uh, so-called earned media, and and he he went on. Uh, Fox News Sunday for the first time in 13 years, and he he made it through the entire interview without making a gaffe, and I I was kind of amazed. And then in the very last yeah. sentence, he turns around and says, "Thanks, Chuck." <laughs> <laughs> he can always be accounted on for a gaffe. Uh, I mean, so I just we really just don't see him being up for you know up. Up for the task. I mean, going. Imagine him going toe to toe with the president of the United States. Oh God, it would be glorious. It would be glorious. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, so we're feeling really good, no matter who ends up being the nominee. That you know, we've got the oppo on all of these guys, the three big B's: uh, Bloomberg, Biden, and Bernie. Um, And you know, the only thing that could throw us off a little bit is if they do go into a brokered convention and. And somebody totally new emerges because the superdelegates have thrown their their favor behind them. And I mean, we've always hear, we've been hearing rumors of like, will Michelle Obama come in at the last moment and kind of save the Democratic Party? So you know, we're also keeping our eye open for completely something out of the blue to ha- happen in Milwaukee in July. Well, I think uh, what's going to happen is they're going to take it from Bernie. I think uh, that what's being predicted inside his campaign will will show up, and that. There'll be violence in the streets. Uh, Antifa yeah. is uh, is well established in Milwaukee, and uh, and they're all going to be coming uh, coming there, you know, uh, to defend their socialist fellow traveler. And uh, and and no matter what happens, uh, there's going to be chaos at the Democrat convention, and then uh, it'll be followed by the Republican convention, where it looks like there are adults dressed in funny hats <laughs> that uh, that you know can be counted on, especially. Uh, if this uh, coronavirus is uh, is continuing to to plague the country, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, just in terms of the the Democrats in disarray. I mean, Amy Klobuchar over the weekend had to shut down a campaign event because it was being protested by Black Lives Matters. Uh, we've seen, you know, Michael Bloomberg was in a church down in Alabama where people got up and turned their backs on him. Um, you know, Bernie Sanders supporters are passionate, to say the least. Uh, the Bernie Bros online Fanatic. is very yeah, fanatical, and they and they are and because they're revolutionary. Right. I mean, they're looking at this as we want a socialist revolution of. Of, of this country. So there's no way if, if it goes into a brokered uh, scenario in Milwaukee and Bernie comes in there with the majority of the delegates but gets denied uh, the nomination on the second round, you're absolutely right. It, there's going to be a huge, huge divide within the Democratic Party. There is going to be protests. There's going to be rioting. And who, whoever emerges 
um, as the nominee is going to be a lot weaker, and we will be ready to attack as can soon you, as that happens. Can you imagine if there were undercover video inside the Trump campaign of people promising uh, violence and revolution and all of these things that Bernie supporters were called on tape, especially in light of the fact that uh, Bernie Sanders actually had one of his um, his volunteers, you know, attempt mass murder at that congressional baseball practice. <laughs> they would they would be yeah. running to Trump and every campaign staffer and every Republican in Congress demanding that they disavow. And it's it's absolute crickets over there with regard to Bernie yeah. Sanders. So they're they're sort of creating the own, the the monster that's going to eat their party. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, we've already, as Trump supporters, we've been called deplorables. We've been called Nazis, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. I mean, they throw every single name at the book, uh, at the book on us. Um, but with Bernie, uh, there is the relative silence in terms of the crowds and the people that he's attracting. And, mm-hmm. and it, it will, it will surface at some point, uh, in not too, in not too many months. So let me just ask you, as somebody inside the campaign, who, would be the perfect general election opponent for Donald Trump. You know what? As I said before, and this isn't just a line, we are ready um, for whoever, whomever emerges. Um, and it will be Bloomberg, Biden, or Bernie. We're feeling pretty solid at this point. And so with Bernie, there's a, there's just a contrast of issues and ideology that we'll be able to highlight that is um, very powerful and persuasive. You know, the majority of Americans in swing states, states that Bernie Sanders must win, don't, they feel uncomfortable with a, with a man who, who identifies as a socialist. You know, 67% was in a Fox News poll, uh, don't feel comfortable with a presidential candidate who aligns himself with socialism. So freedom versus socialism will be a huge narrative. Um, with Joe Biden, he's still got issues. Where's Hunter? By the way, um, he Hunter Biden. I mean, he's doing like, art now. He, he he's be, yeah. he's become a uh, an introverted artist uh, out out there in his uh, twelve thousand dollar a month uh, Hollywood Hills pad. At the same time, he's trying to stiff uh, his baby mama over there in Arkansas. I mean, it, it's it's just too delicious to watch. Um, yeah, all of yeah. the problems that the Democrats have over there, and it's hard picking. You know, the candidate that you would want them to send against Donald Trump, because no matter who it is, it's going to be a bloodbath at the debate. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. So, I mean, we're feeling very confident. We're feeling very good going into into this. And, you know, the longer this primary lasts with the Democrats, uh, the better it is for the president of the United States, because they are starting to bloody one another um, and, and more oppo will be dumped and will surface. Uh, that will lead the eventual nominee to be in a much weaker position uh, than if they were just to, you know, all rally around one person at this point in time. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for the work you do and and uh, at America First Action and uh, and in uh, in support of this America First agenda. Uh, Kelly Rydell Slater is the communications director at America First Action. You can find her on Twitter at Kelly Rydell. That's at Kelly Rydell. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Take care. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. 
I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-957-6209-800-957-6209-800-957-6209. That's 800-957-6209. So many Mike Bloomberg made an appearance on a, a Fox News town hall in, in the news hour yesterday. And, and, you know, normally I don't understand why Fox News allows themselves to be used by the Democrats when they steadfastly refuse to allow Fox to air any of these debates because the Democrat candidates want to avoid the tough questions. But uh, mini Mike Bloomberg came on there with Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. And it actually was a very, uh, a, a very good appearance from, uh, from the point of view of Trump supporters. One of the reasons is because mini Mike Bloomberg really did, uh, expose himself for for being a very diminutive little guy he sort of reminds you of tattoo and i've often wondered whether or not this this nickname that trump has labeled mini mike with is a good idea because there are a lot of voters out there that uh are vertically challenged themselves and they're very touchy about it and i'm i'm pretty sure that Trump has lost a, a, a lot of their votes because of, of this moniker that he's labeled Mike with, but he was standing at, uh, or they were sitting on, on stools on a, on a stage, uh, um, around, what do they call it? Uh, uh, something in the round. Uh, and it, it really showed just what a little guy he is. Uh, Martha McCallum, uh, is a much more, uh, imposing figure than, than even mini Mike. But, um, during the, the so-called town hall, they took questions from the audience there in, uh, in Virginia where the gun control debate is raging. And one of the members of the audience rose and asked him about that topic. Just justify pushing for more gun control when you have an armed security detail that is likely equipped with the same firearms and magazines that you seek to ban the common citizen from owning. Does your life matter more than mine or my family's or these people's? Uh, all right. Look, I probably get 40 or 50 threats every week, okay? And some of them are real. That just happens when you're the mayor of New York City or you're very wealthy and if you're campaigning for president of the United States, you get lots of threats. So I have a security detail. I pay for it all myself. And um so I, I, I actually uh, suffer threats and, and I need protection, which is by way of implying that I'm more important than you. I'm a I'm a billionaire. I'm a mayor. I'm a politician. I need protection. You, on the other hand, are 
or just one of the the little people, the great unwashed, you don't need to worry about protecting yourself. We'll do that. We'll send the cops to your house after a home invader shoots you dead and take a report. Really was a, a an answer that really exposed Mike Bloomberg on this topic. So Chris Matthews yesterday opened his MSNBC hardball show with this opening. Let me start with my headline tonight. I'm retiring. This is the last hardball on MSNBC. And obviously, this isn't for lack of interest in politics. As you can tell, I've loved every minute of my 20 years as host of Hardball. Every morning I read the papers and I'm gung-ho to get to work. Well, after a conversation with MSNBC, I decided tonight will be my last hardball. So let me tell you why. The younger generations out there are ready to take the reins. We see them in politics, in the media, in fighting for their causes. They are improving the workplace. We're talking here about better standards than we grew up with, fair standards. A lot of it has to do with how we talk to each other. Compliments on a woman's appearance that some men, including me, might have once incorrectly thought were okay. We're never okay. Not then and certainly not today. And for making such comments in the past, I'm sorry. I'm very proud of the work I've done. So the Me Too movement has claimed another scalp. Of course, a, a freelance writer uh, wrote a story last week saying that while she was appearing on Chris Matthews' show, he had made uh, comments about her being beautiful and uh, and that uh, uh, she must, you know, get uh, get a lot of attention from men. Now, you know, Chris Matthews has been at this for decades and decades, and he's he's quitting without any uh, any notice. Right in the middle of a presidential campaign, he's 70 years old. I have no great love for Chris Matthews, but a 70-year-old man forced to retire for a little bit of harmless flirting is just unbelievable. So his career has has been ended ingloriously. He he will be remembered for the way he he uh, he went out because of this Me Too hysteria. And I can't help but to take pleasure in it because the leftists always eat their own. The Me Too movement has come after um, Chris Matthews now, but you know you had the Black Lives Matter hysteria up there uh, protesting Amy Klobuchar because she had previously been a prosecutor in Minnesota. A thrill went up my leg when I heard that Chris Matthews was quitting. But you got to remember, this is the same network, NBC, that uh, allowed two of their high-profile hosts, both of them married at the time, um, uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, to carry on a, a workplace affair and end up being married. It's the same NBC News that covered up the Harvey Weinstein scandal and spiked stories by Ronan Farrow that would have exposed Weinstein before he could continue to to do his uh, perverse predations on on young young Hollywood starlets or wannabes. The same executives at the head of NBC News that covered up the Weinstein scandal are still in place, but now. An old man that conducted a bit of harmless flirting in the makeup room with a guest 
has had to retire and have his uh, his whole legacy remembered by this. Goodbye, Chris Matthews. You will not be missed. Donald Trump went into North Carolina last night. I think he was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, put on one of his trademark rallies. Huge crowds that are not being uh, that are not diminishing at all, even in the uh, in the threat of this coronavirus. Here's what he had to say about the coronavirus. My administration has also taken the most aggressive action in modern history to protect Americans from the coronavirus. You know about this whole thing. Horrible. Including sweeping travel restrictions. Today, uh, we met with the big, great pharmaceutical companies, and they're really working hard and they're working smart. And we had some, we had a great meeting today with a lot of the great companies and uh, they're going to have vaccines, I think, relatively soon. And they're going to have something that makes you better. And that's going to actually take place, we think, even sooner. So it's uh, a lot of good things are happening. But we have strong borders and really our tough and early actions have really been proven to be 100 percent right. We went out, we're doing everything in our power to keep the sick and infected people from coming into our country. We're working on that very hard. We closed our borders very early. I took a lot of heat for that. Remember when I closed the borders to certain areas of the world, I took a lot of heat. But there are fringe globalists who would rather keep our borders open than keep Absolutely. The, the border situation or the border uh, issue is going to play well for Trump in light of this coronavirus. And, and he's going to be able to play clips of whoever is his Democrat opponent arguing for open borders. Did you see this clip of Oprah Winfrey on stage addressing a big audience when she she tripped and fell on her butt while talking about balance uh, having your life in balance and then she 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 tripped and fell on her butt oh my god schadenfreude this week schadenfreude has been through the roof this is the same woman oprah winfrey who is constantly overweight never been married she's childless who has made a very very good living giving advice to her women audience, her female audience, on weight loss, marriage, and children. And now she has taken a big tumble while lecturing them on balance. Oh, my God, it doesn't get any better. Well, Super Tuesday is at hand, and we're going to have to see if Joe Biden is able to win more than two states. And if you'll join us again tomorrow, we'll report on that right here on right now on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Hope to see you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. 
Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home.